Yo, what is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Clippers Confidential, uh, the Clutch Points podcast centering around the Clippers, hosted by yours truly, Tomer Zarli, the Clippers beat writer for Clutch Points. I'm joined by a new... No, I'm just kidding. It's not a new guest. Same old, same old guest. Uh, Justin Russo, or Justin... How do you pronounce your name? Is it, is it Rousseau or Russo? It's Russo. Why would you ask? Okay. Don't, are someone, you serious? I'm, I'm dead serious because someone, someone said Justin Rousseau today. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that. Who the hell uh, said that? Uh, Adam Osland on uh, when I did Clippers Radio, he was like, Justin Rousseau had this tweet. And I was like, oh, oh never thought no. about that. No, it's Well, Rousseau. Justin Rousseau is joining me. Justin, how you doing, man? I am hanging in there with every fiber of my being. <laughs> are we all um i mean uh, what was i gonna say i was gonna bring something up um oh yeah before oh this is what i wanted to bring up uh justin has gotten since the all-star break we've played cod a few times i think this guy has gotten a nuke what four times five times i think it was three three times so um this this guy's a baller this guy's a baller uh, if we played COD. To... We played COD two nights. That's it. Two nights, and I got three of them. Yeah. So this guy is uh, this guy's ruining a lot of my games by just ending them early uh, with with his damn nukes. But um, I don't know how you do it, man. I've tried. Close, most I can get is like thirteen. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just a goat. Well, speaking of goats, um, well, we'll talk about the goat potential coach in a bit, but. Um, want to talk about the Clippers. Uh, well, we are, what, entering Monday, March 14th. We are in the stretch run here of the season. We've got less than a month left. I believe it's about 27, 26 days left uh, in the season. Um, we've got, you know, the Clippers are 36 and 34. They've got just 12 games remaining, seven at home, seven, uh, seven at home and five on the road. Um, they've had a pretty interesting post-All-Star schedule, I would say. Um, given that it started with seeing the same team for about a week and a half, um, coming back home for a few games and then going on the road. Uh, so coming out of the all-star break, they faced the Lakers twice. They faced Houston Rockets twice. Uh, they win both of those games. They win four in a row and they go 34 and 31. The highest they've been over 500 in, I want to say since January or maybe even early, early in the year, maybe even like December or November. Um, and then they go on a two-game losing streak. They 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 lose to the to New York Knicks. Uh, offense just looked awful in that game. They they and, and not awful in the sense of like they weren't running things well. They just couldn't make a shot. Um, so they lost that game in a blowout fashion. Uh, they went to Golden State and lost that game uh, right after a few days later. And that one, you know, Tyler was not happy with the energy with the, with the way they they executed their offense. Even though their defense did hold up pretty well, they held Golden State to I believe forty-two percent shooting in that game. Um, but they lost that one. Uh, then they followed up with a win against Washington at home, a, a close win, which was the the Reggie Bite Reggie PB and Reggie PB and J Bite game, uh, where they gave those out to the fans, and then they took off on a three game road trip at Atlanta, at Detroit, and Monday, March fourteenth tonight at Cleveland. They lost at Atlanta, they won at Detroit, so one game left on that trip before they come back home. Uh, Justin, what have you made of the Clippers post-All-Star with all these games? So far, they've got, uh, I believe it's six wins and three losses uh, post-All-Star. So, the big thing for me with them 
is they're doing exactly what they need to do, which is this, we, we talked about this before, how this was the soft part of their schedule and they had to beat up on the Houston's and the Lakers and the Knicks and the Wizards and Detroit. And they did that save for uh, the loss to New York Um which was oddly enough the second time they lost to the Knicks this year, and in both in neither of those games did they actually hold a lead, which is just an amazing tidbit of information that against the struggling New York Knicks, the Clippers couldn't even get one lead in a game. But the Knicks are a bad matchup for the for the Clippers, and at the end of the day, the Clippers took care of business that they needed to take care of. They won all five of their games against the Rockets and the Lakers. They beat the Wizards. They beat the Pistons. There's your seven wins. They lost to the Warriors, which is not a bad loss to have, obviously. They lost on the road to Atlanta. That's not a bad loss, really, when you really think about it, because it's on the road. And considering who the Clippers have been without, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I've kind of, my big thing for them post All Star break is they've maintained the status quo. That's kind of what I'm going to go with. Everything has been status quo for them coming out of the break. They've done what they've needed to do exactly, and that's set them up for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's, Pretty much you hit the nail on the head in that this is what we can expect. We should expect out of this team considering, again, I think we've, we've just gotten so used to seeing them play and play well at times without Kawhi, without PG, and even without Norman Powell that we've just grown to, you know, accustomed to saying like, grown accustomed to expecting a lot from them when in reality we've got, you know, third, fourth options, Marcus and Reggie playing first and second options, uh, which, you know, over the course of a season – has been really hard to sustain. Um, it's been a little on and off. It's been a little good, a little bad, but mostly good, I would say, considering everything that's happened this year. Um, six wins out of the All-Star break, three losses. Like you said, the, the New York win was kind of strange. Uh, the New York, New York loss, excuse me, was kind of strange just because uh, New York came into that game, I believe, having won three of their last 20 games, I want to say. Uh, one of those three was against the Clippers back in January, so New York was really struggling. Um, Golden State has not been playing well. I think they lost seven of eight coming into that one. But again, this the Clippers were playing. You know, right now they're they're finishing up their final five game and seven night set um, in in Cleveland tonight. So uh, the schedule has been brutal, but they have been able to somehow just put things together, put wins together, uh, no matter who's been on the court. And uh, that's where we stand right now, thirty six and thirty four. Um, you know, the, the schedule does get a little tougher. Uh, down the stretch, they do have the second toughest remaining strength of schedule um, with the Los Angeles Lakers at at, at, at the top of that list. Uh, opponents remaining strength of schedule of 0.554. So they're going to be playing a lot of really good teams coming up. Uh, that is the Clippers. They've got they've got Cleveland. They got Toronto. They got Utah. They got Denver, uh, Philly, Utah again, um, Chicago and Milwaukee, uh, and then Phoenix one more time. So. Um, the schedule does get a little more brutal, but when you look at, I guess, the standings, um, the Clippers are currently in in the eighth seed, and it looks like that's probably where they're going to stay. Uh, right now, they're three and a half games back of the Minnesota Timberwolves for the seventh seed, uh, and there are after tonight's results, I believe they are five and a half ahead of the or yeah five and a half ahead of the Lakers for the ninth seed. So it looks like. Um, barring anything kind of crazy happening, the Clippers are going to be in the eighth seed and, um, that that's just where they'll be. I mean, Justin, do you think anything kind of changes down the stretch? I mean, not really. Cause 
You know, like, so if you really look at it, Clippers only have 12 games left. And the Lakers, who are trying to chase them down, have 15. Um, they're about even in terms of strength to schedule remaining. So at the end of the day, it just comes down to which team can handle business. But if if you look at it from the Clippers side of things, the fact that they have fewer games remaining is a big, big positive. Because, because you have fewer games left, that's fewer chances for you to catch a loss. And catching a loss is the biggest thing at this point of the season. So they're four up in the loss column of the Lakers. The Clippers, hypothetically, if they went 0-12, if they went 0-12 the rest of the year and they finished 36 and 46, the Lakers would have to go at least 8 and 7 in their final 15 games to overtake the Clippers in the standings. Now, I'm not going to say that can happen. I'm not even going to say that won't happen. What I'm going to say is it's unlikely to take place. Both things, you know, simultaneously 0 and 12 and then at least 8 and 7. So, for now, from my point of view, the Clippers are pretty much safe especially considering the Lakers have more road games than the Clippers do. And be, and the Lakers have not been a good team on the road um, like whatsoever. The Clippers or the Lakers are 9 and 22 on the road. The Lake or the Clippers are 16 and 20. I know I keep mixing up their names a lot of LA here. But the Lakers are 9 and 22 on the road, Clippers 16 and 20. The Lakers have way more road games left than the Clippers do. So I kind of just think the Clippers are safe. I don't think the Lakers are going to catch them. I don't think the Clippers are going to catch the Timberwolves. I just think they're kind of stuck at number eight, and we might see them start rusting guys going forward. Yeah, that again, that is the Clippers have seven games at home, five remaining on the road, and the Lakers, I believe they have um, five games left at home and ten on the road out of their 15. So um, quite, quite a task coming up for the for the Lakers squad um, to try and catch the Clippers. Um, I, I will say, uh, like you said, the schedule does, does afford them um, some more rest opportunities as well as I would say some, um, some, what was I going to say? Oh, some practice opportunities as well. Um, looking at the schedule again, uh, they have, I believe it's seven, uh, seven practice days more or less. So like the day after a game, they usually don't really practice. Uh, and then when they have a second day off, they'll host a practice with media and everything. So they have seven of those instances with 48 hours off between games. Um, that is a little unheard of, and I'm kind of curious why they didn't balance out the season a little more. Um, given that they had, I believe it was the most five and sevens of any team in the NBA. Uh, I mean, they, they have a stretch coming up now where they have two two games in just nine days. Um, and then another stretch where they have... Uh, what is this? Two games in in six days. So um, definitely a bit of curious scheduling here. But the Clippers again do have some opportunities to rest some guys. They will have a chance to uh, practice to to go over their their their, their things a little bit more. Um, again, as the standings as it as things stand in the standings. Um, I mean, Minnesota is a game and a half behind Denver, who is two games behind Dallas, who is a game or half game behind Utah. So like. I mean, I think four and five between Utah and Dallas might flip and flop, but I think more than likely we're going to see the Minnesota Timberwolves in the play-in tournament next month. Um, I do want to talk about another thing. I I do think that – I think think Ty Lue deserves a lot more credit than he's given – that he's been given this year. 
Uh, I know multiple times this year we've talked to him and he does not like any coach of the year talk or any of that stuff. He kind of just brushes it off because that's kind of how he is. He's humble like that. But uh, Ty Lue absolutely deserves coach of the year um, consideration when you look at everything. I mean, he's talked about J.B. Bickerstaff being deserving. And, you know, I mean, J.B. Bickerstaff has done a great job with the Cavs. They have a 30-29 and 29 record. We'll see them tonight. But um, considering the, the Clippers have not had – uh, PG, uh, Kawhi all year. Um, they've had PG for 26 of their now 70 g- games. Uh, Norm was traded here, played three games, and has been injured since. Um, you know, Nick, Marcus missed the first month. Nico's been in and out with the ankle soreness with COVID. Uh, Luke Kennard, I believe, missed close to nine games with COVID um, early in the year as well. Like, I think Ty Lue deserves deserves more serious consideration for Coach of the Year than he's been given, and I think more than any other coach um, right now, outside of maybe Taylor Jenkins from the Memphis Grizzlies. Would you agree with that? I wouldn't necessarily disagree. I think the job that Ty has done has been, um, I don't want to say under the radar, because I know people are talking about it. I've seen national people talk about it. Whenever the Clippers are on national TV, they talk about it. Um I do think the perspective on it is, is pretty crazy when you really do break it down that Kawhi hasn't played, you know, PG, as you said, like 26 games, Marcus missed a month and has missed games here and there. Like he missed a stretch of games due to personal reasons. Uh, Nico's missed game. Like, like the guys have missed games. So like he's deserving of the talk, but I'm going to throw out a name for you. I know you mentioned Taylor Jenkins. I have a name for you. You ready? Okay. Chris Finch. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think that he's not deserving of it, but I think the Clippers have had to go through more adversity injury wise. I mean, the, 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 the Timberwolves big three for the most part has been healthy this year. I don't think they've had to deal with as many injuries. Um, I might be wrong about that. I'm going to check this, but I, I don't think they've had as many injuries as say the Clippers have. Um, you know, right now what are the, the Timberwolves are 39 and 30, um, Anthony Edwards played 59 games. Cats played 62 games. The Angels played 54. Uh, you know, Jared, they're, they're, Patrick Williams played 47, and he's kind of, I guess, the guy you look at. But I think their stars have kind of played the most minutes. Again, I think Chris Finch has done a great job. I mean, they're in the playoff hunt for a reason. But I will say um, they haven't had to deal with the star, the injuries of stars like the Clippers have. I don't disagree with you at all. I think what's amazing to consider with the Minnesota Timberwolves is when you really fundamentally break it down, this team is three wins away from equaling their win total over the last two seasons combined. So like the turnaround that they've had is pretty substantial. Now, is that enough to get Chris Finch coach of the year? I don't, I mean, probably not. Um, but what he's done is incredible. What Mike Malone has done in Denver is absolutely astounding. Obviously, he's had his best player, Nikola Jokic, who might win another MVP uh, for, for pretty much the duration of the season. But, you know, you're without Michael Porter Jr. for all but like five games. You haven't had Jamal Murray at all. So your second and third best players have not really played. And you're probably going to be a top six seed. Um, I, I, another thing I can't believe I'm saying, Jason Kidd who Dallas is 42 and 26. But if you remember correctly, Luka Dodgers missed a lot of time at the beginning of the year too, at times. So like, like this, this is an interesting year for coach of the year talk, 
Because you look at Dallas, Dallas has played 58 games, right? Or, excuse me, 68 games. Luka's only played in 52 of those. So the fact that they are where they are without him for, you know, a quarter of their schedule is remarkable. Um, Like, there's several coaches like J.B. Bickerstaff, Billy Donovan in Chicago, uh, Ime Udoka in Boston, the turnaround they've had since the start of the year is, yeah, is, fantastic. is, is some is yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. Because I remember when people were ripping on uh, on Udoka uh, towards the end of 2021, so like through the like the first part of the year, they were ripping on him because of the way that he was coaching, and then all the players bought in, and now you're seeing the results on the floor. Um, if you're asking me who I would vote for for coach of the year, another guy who I might just end up. I, I think Taylor Jenkins is going to win. Okay. Like, I'm just going to say that. I think Taylor Jenkins is going to win. The guy that I think should win unbelievably is Monty Williams because the Phoenix Suns are 54 and 14. They have the best point differential in the league. They're hammering everybody. No team is closer than eight games to them. And they've had Chris Paul out for a few games. They missed Devin Booker for a while. They missed DeAndre Ayton for a while. They've had injuries to several guys, absences to other guys, and they're just churning and chugging along. So I think my vote would go to Monty Williams. My second place would actually be Ty because of the job that he's done with guys who have just like, you're, it's not like you're missing a second or not even second. It's not like you're missing role players. You're missing your stars, and everything else is affected in like a trickle down way. After that, and he's done an incredible job. I should know. I wrote about him. So let me let me throw this at you. Uh, Man Games Lost finally updated their data as of March 11th. I the saw Clippers, that, and the first person I thought of was you. Thank you. Uh, the The Orlando Magic have the most games missed by injured players. A bulk of that is because of uh, guys like Markel Fultz and Jonathan um, Jonathan Isaac. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries, but again, they're, they're like one of the worst teams in the NBA. Second behind them is the LA Clippers at 322 games. Two of the healthiest teams are the Minnesota Timberwolves and uh, Houston Rockets in terms of man games lost due to injuries. So, I mean, I, I really, th- I mean, I think there's there's a case to be made for a lot of the coaches that you named. Um, I think Monty has a le- legitimate um, case to be made, um, given how well that team has played. I think uh, Taylor Jenkins obviously ha- has that team playing um, insanely well uh, on a night-to-night basis. Um, I think Mike Malone, who kind of gets crapped on a lot on social media, uh, definitely deserves some credit for for maneuvering this team into where they are, considering they haven't had uh, what. Jamal Murray all year and Michael Porter Jr. I want to say most of the year. I don't think he's played maybe more than like five or six games. I, I, I might be wrong about that, but he's been out most of the season. Um, so, but you look at the Clippers again. They're they're second in total man games lost due to injuries. Their stars have barely played this year. Um, I, I I just think I just think you have to find a way to give Ty. Um, and, and maybe I'm a little biased because I cover him, but I, I, I feel like he's done a coach of the year-esque job uh, for the Clippers this year. You know, whether it's starting different starting lineups. I, I can't remember how many different starting lineups they've had this year. Uh, I believe the number is – what's the 
I can't remember any starting lineups, but, but 23 different starting lineups this year. There you go. They've had 23 different starting lineups this year and all the injuries they've had. I think, I think, I, I think Ty's, Ty's the guy I would vote for. Um, but Monty Williams and Taylor, Taylor Jenkins are two guys I think definitely deserving. Taylor Jenkins, I could see you making, uh, you know, winning it over Ty, but um, I just think Ty's just done a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Justin did wrote a good piece on Ty. I believe he called it the tie that binds. I might be. Is that what that it's called? Correct. Yeah, so you that can check correct. that out on 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 Clips Nation. That is where he wrote it. Um, it was a pretty good piece. He had a lot of great quotes in there. I'm a little jealous because I was writing something along those lines, but not that. Uh, but yeah, check it out on Clips Nation. He did a good job on that. Um, read up on that. A lot of good quotes from Reggie to Nick Batum to Tom Thibodeau to all these guys uh, around the NBA. So check that out. Uh, but yeah, Ty, Ty would be my vote. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Justin. I feel like you 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 made your case pretty clear. I mean, I I don't like like I said. I think Coach of the Year is always like a weird conversation because it, right. it's almost like you're pitting coaches against each other for the award. And I don't think that's the case. I think they've all done marvelous jobs considering the circumstances they've each been put into. You know, Monty Williams has missed. Uh, he's had guys miss over like 250 games, and they're still far and away the best team in the league. You know, but then you look at the Clippers. They've had guys almost miss 325 games, and the value of the players that they've lost, which is a, a metric that man's game man games loss takes into account, which is value over replacement player or VORP, uh, they lead the NBA in it. Like they lead the NBA in value that's been lost due to injury. So you know, you know, it, it, it's pretty staggering. And when you when you really get down to it, I, I think it's okay whoever wins Coach of the Year. Um, it, it doesn't coach of the year, like weirdly enough, doesn't tell you who the best coach is or who's done really the best sure. job. Sure. Like Tom Thibodeau, won coach of the year last season, not been good this year. We've seen coaches get fired after winning coach of the year. George Carl immediately comes to mind. Um, so well, like Casey, Mike like, D'Antoni. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so like, so like the precedent of winning coach of the year doesn't mean you're the best coach. It just means you did a heck of a job for that year. And usually what they end up giving it to are teams who either overperformed, which, you know, we're talking about our Minnesotas or our Memphises there, or teams who dealt with a ton of injuries and f- found a way, uh, t- to stay afloat. So we're talking, you know, Phoenix, the Clippers, Miami to even some degree, you know, teams like that. So it's going to be rather interesting. Like, like Brooklyn, for instance, the job, like this sounds crazy, but the job that Steve Nash has done, if you really think about it, it's kind of wild that they're even over 500 because the East East is pretty tough. And they were without Kevin Durant for like a month and a half or a month at least, you know, James Harden missed time. There was the whole Kyrie thing happening. You know, they, they had all these things and, you know, they're still over 500 they're still in the playing spot. They they up to number six. We'll see. But at the end of the day, like all these coaches in their own individual realms have done a pretty incredible job, and that's that's really just how I feel about it. So it's no slight to who, whichever one of them or ones of them don't win. Anytime I have a <clears throat> an idea or a thought, Justin just brings me back down to earth with some very level headed thinking, and I appreciate that at times. At times. Imagine saying I'm the level-headed one. <laughs> at times. At times. Don't get in, <laughs> don't get in your own way here, buddy. Um, I do want to talk. I, I, I do want it. Oh, my lordy. Uh, I did want to talk about the Clippers' um, upcoming schedule here before we record our next podcast. Uh, like I said, they play tonight at Cleveland. 
uh, the final game of a three-game road trip. <clears throat> they come back home on Wednesday to face the Toronto Raptors, which is, I believe, Paul George bobblehead night. Um, wink, wink. No, I don't think there's any return uh, for PG then. Um, then they go on the road to face the Utah Jazz on Friday, and that will be it for this upcoming week, a three-game week for them uh, at Cleveland versus Toronto at Utah. Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think uh, they they do on this upcoming three game week? Well, it all depends on if Reggie Jackson gets rested for the Cleveland game tonight, huh? That's true. Has, Ty uh, did. Uh, he did hint after the game Sunday that he can't remember whether Reggie would be rested, uh, but he did say before the game, I believe, that um, resting players will go into consideration. Um, the more you know, the more their spot becomes solidified as the eight seed. Yeah, so I, I just, you know what? I'm going to, I don't want to be pessimistic, but I'm going to say 0-3. Wow. Interesting. 0-3. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Toronto's been playing well. Utah's been playing well. Uh, Toronto is 37-30. and 30, Oh, the seven games over 500. Very impressive. They, they got off to a rough start this year. Uh, Utah is 42-25. and 25. Uh, Gobert has been out for them. Um, the last couple of days, he's back. Like, he's back. Okay. Um, and for Cleveland, uh, haven't looked at the injury report for them yet. Um, but Cleveland's been 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 struggling a bit of late. I want to say, yeah, they've uh, they've lost seven of their last ten games. So um, definitely been a bit of a struggle there for them. But I I think they go one and two. I, I would say one and two is probably the worst they go. Um, I think they find a way to win. Um, against either Toronto or Cle- oh, I guess that depends on whether Reggie's available. Oh, here it is right here. Rajon Rondo is doubtful. Car- uh, Karis Levert, Laurie Markinen are questionable. Jared Allen is out with a fractured finger. So that's um, right. yeah. could be could be some depth they're missing for the Cavaliers. But uh, in any case, I-, I would say the worst they go is probably one and two uh, on this upcoming schedule. They either beat maybe Toronto or Utah, I would say. Um, I think a, a bit of that depends on what kind of Reggie we get, uh, because Reggie Jackson, while he has been absolutely fantastic this year, uh, I think part of what makes Reggie Reggie is is his up and down. Uh, his you know, he has these tough games at times, and he has these phenomenal performances. Like just in the last couple mm-hmm. weeks alone, seventeen points, twenty six points, seventeen, thirty six, ten, five, and thirty one and twenty four. So, uh, and then today he had I believe sixteen, I want to say, or nineteen. So. Um, a lot of up and down, but depending on what kind of Reggie the Clippers get, um, that that's uh, I guess that's as far as they'll go. Like I, I'm a firm believer in the Clippers will really only go as far as Reggie takes them this year, at least until PG and Norman and or Norman Powell come back, if they're able to come back. So, um, also injury update: Just, we did see we did see Paul George uh, Paul George shooting a bit. Um, we did see Norman Powell. Um, I'm still in a walking boot, I believe, but he's he's been playing. He's been working out in in the facility. Uh, Kawhi and we saw Leonard, one hour. There you go. Kawhi Leonard, rigorous shoot around. Rigorous before the game in Golden State. Yeah, rigorous. Rigorous, rigorous was the word. Emphasis on rigorous. And they and they had to clarify it was in front of media, which yes. is very incredible to publicly to have to clarify that the first time publicly in front of media. Uh, it also happened to come on a TNT Tuesday 
which also happened to be before a Chris Haynes report. So you do with that information what you will. Um, I mean, do do you think any do you think any of them come back? Do you think two of them come back? One of them come back? What do you what are you thinking here? I think Norm comes back. Okay. I think Norm comes back. I think PG's fifty fifty, and I think Kawhi's like ten ninety. I, I I really I really just don't because Ty had the quote where he said, um, you know if they they're if they're not able to ramp talk about PG and Kawhi specifically, but I'm assuming this applies to Norman as well. If they're not able to ramp up in the regular season going into the postseason or into the plan, he's just not going to play them in the plan. So at this point. If they don't return, what I will say is this. If they don't return by April 6th, I just don't think they're going to play. By April 6th, which gives them, I believe, two or three games left. That, that's three. Yeah, games. that would be the third to last game. So, yeah. And that's an ESPN game, so maybe that would be the game they come back or something. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I can't. Oh, I, can't I have something see... for you. Before you. I hate to cut you off. I have something for you. No, go ahead. They have two more Tuesday TNT games. And TNT is a good update uh, broadcast. So, potential for positive news coming up. ESPN's been bad news. TNT's been good news. That's the theory that Justin kind of came up with and I'm clinging on to as well. Um, I'm telling you, it's a theory that makes sense. No, it does. It does. It does. TNT Tuesdays have been positive updates from Chris Haynes. And the one ESPN game we had since was the PGMRI day. And they were like, he's progressing, but not where we want him to be or something like that. He's progressing, feeling better, but that's all we have for you. So, um, Feeling better. The motto of the 2021-22 Clippers. <laughs> motto of this past two years. <laughs> everyone's Just feeling better. No one's great, but everyone's feeling better. <laughs> um yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna echo your you uh your thoughts, uh just going back to the injury thing. Um I would say I would say I believe PG is probably I'd say it's probably 60, 65, 35 right now, uh on, on coming back, I would guess. Uh just because you don't ramp up publicly in, in front of practice, in front of a media members of at practice, um, you know, by accident. Um Re- think- real quick. It has just been like I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't mean the term fishy and like it's just very like there's something fishy going on. I just mean like everything about this entire rehab for each guy has just been fishy because it's fishy because we don't hear anything about it because we don't hear anything and then they're randomly showing up doing stuff. But oh, I didn't see it and I don't know. Like and I don't mean that against Ty. And I can't like, remember. Yeah, yeah, like I don't mean that specifically against Ty. I just mean like that that is like the general consensus of anyone around it is oh they were working out? I don't know. Like like it's what the hell are we supposed to do with that? The 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 funniest thing is when PG was shooting that one practice and um Oh, left-handed? No, 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 he was shooting right-handed and Ty was sitting right oh, the there, right, remember? Yeah. And uh yeah. and Ty was sitting right there maybe about I would say 50 feet away, but he was maybe not 50, maybe like 30 feet. Uh, at center court next to PG's court, he was. I think he was watching him at times, and then he walked over to the media. Where like I, I told him, I was like, "Hey, take a good look. Take a good look at PG here shooting." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" 
he will get to the media. We, we the media podium. We start the press conference, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't see it." How how do you look to you guys? He said. <laughs> and lost, I think law. He said he's he's feeling. He looks good. He looks like OPG, and he goes, "Well, that's good to hear. He's feeling better." So. Um, I love Ty. I just want to say I love Ty. Um, I've had no guy. more fun. I've had no more fun in this season than just talking to Ty. It doesn't even matter after a win or a loss. Just actually talking to him. And getting to know him and having conversations like a plus dude. It's also because Ty is rarely upset and he's always in a, in a good talking mood. So um, yeah, shout yeah. out Ty Luke for being fantastic this year. Um, yeah, he never he never goes after you. He's always open to hearing what you have to. Say. It's it's just a great it's a great experience, honestly. Uh, man, can't believe there's only a month left in the season. Well, to playoffs, but. It's yeah. it's gone by, man. Uh, how do you feel about Tom Brady unretiring? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> My man is sick of this dude. <laughs> I'm so fed up with this man. You uh, you can, you cannot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't Ric Flair this. You can't Terry Funk this. You can't retire six times and then come back every time. Like I know he he technically did it like once, but like, dude, please. Just, just be a family man. Stay home. My I don't need to see you. Months at home and said, you know what? This ain't for me. I'm, uh, I, not I just, I, I don't need to see him throw a football anymore. I need to see him. I need to see him going to the grocery store. I need to see him cooking. I don't need to see him cooking on a football field. You'll see him cooking. I, I just need say, to you're see him cooking there. No, I don't need to see him playing football. He can play something else. Play, he can play Madden with his kids. I don't need to see oh, him on the football Lord. field. This guy's fed up. I can't, uh, you just had to bring him up. Justin, where can people find you? Just tell them out of, out of pure rage. Don't for Tom find Brady me. Don't, fi- don't find me because I might actually go off if you, if you stroll across what I'm saying about Tom Brady. Now, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at flybynight. That's F L Y B Y K N I T E. Uh, my, I have a link to Patreon on there. I have a link to my podcast. And uh, you'll see my work that I tweet out from Clips Nation from like once a week. Very nice. Very nice. Always does good work. Uh, yeah, sub to this guy's Patreon. He puts some good some good analysis, some good stats that you uh, otherwise would not really think about. So uh, don't, don't lie to them. Give this, no, no, I'm serious. Um, you absolutely do put stats it's, in there. I'm like, huh, interesting. It's stats that I find. What do I find them? Interesting. Interesting, yeah. I mean, am I wrong? Am I wrong, no. Mister? I'm just curious. I'm just wondering. I'm I, just I was kind of wondering. I was kind of wondering. Just saying, uh, guys. All right, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, as always, Tomer Zarley here. You can follow me at T O M E R A Z A R L Y on Twitter and Instagram. Um, follow obviously Clutch Points. Follow my work on Clutch Points and. Uh, yeah, this next month should be fun. This next upcoming week should be fun. So make sure to tune in, follow along, and we will catch you guys next week. Peace.